All right, welcome back to episode 10 of the Channel 79 show. Once again, Vincent T with no guest. Nope. On a very slow news week. Very slow. In the world of Channel 79. Um, some stuff happened. A lot of stuff didn't happen. So we'll tell you what happened. We'll talk about it. Uh, next week's a little slow too. Maybe we'll have a a special, some kind of special about the quarterback special or something next week. See what we can get going. Yeah, we could do either quarterback special next week or um, talk about the worst franchises next week. Either oh one. yeah, we could. Yeah, we could do that or just make it one big. One big special. That's true. Kind of like, kind of like the draft special. Yeah, kind of like that. Um, so we'll just jump right into it. Uh, this might be a little shorter this week, but we'll do the best we can with no guests and no super important stuff to talk about. But anyways, it'll be up while you're listening probably Thursday and, uh, You'll have a nice 4th of July weekend to listen to it and tell everybody at the barbecue about the new podcast. In fact, just take this with you and play it at the barbecue. <laughs> there you go. That's an even better idea. Alright, so I got some news. You got some news, so we'll just kick it off. Uh, my first note is Chris Paul traded to the Rockets today. Boo! I don't... I don't think it's a good move for the Rockets. I don't really care about the Clippers. I don't know what you think. I don't think it's a good move for for Paul or the Rockets, really. I mean, I don't know. I don't think that that changes the West at all for them. It. I mean, I might sell them more tickets, but you already have Harden. I don't know. I just It didn't really make sense to me unless... Chris Paul just really wanted out of L.A., but the one thing it does do is, I believe he didn't. I, I believe he didn't. It wasn't a sign and trade, so he still only has one year left on his deal, and that should put him in line with next year with LeBron, right? If they're going to try to go somewhere, so um, what it does is it frees up. Because if he did a sign and trade, right, then that means he would have been with the Rockets for five years. Yeah. And that means that the only place that LeBron could go to play with Chris Paul would have been Houston. So what this move does is by not signing trade and just getting the trade, next year he can be a, he become a free agent and him and LeBron can pick pretty much whatever city they want to. So that was the only plus side to this deal. Um, everything that I heard and read was... Chris Paul wasn't happy with the later the Clippers because the Clippers wouldn't give him that fifth year, which would have put him to I believe two hundred million. So he'd have been five years, two hundred million. The best they were offering him was four years, one hundred and fifty million. So I think that's why he ultimately decided that you know he wanted the trade. So I don't know, but I'm not. I don't think it helps the Rockets out at all for next year. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Harden and Chris Paul's games are going to mesh very well. 
And I think with, I mean, the, the Rockets gave up, like, future picks and cash and a bunch of players, so it kind of gutted their roster a little bit as well. So we'll see what happens there, but I don't, I don't think it's a good fit anyway. Um, I don't really buy into the idea of, you know, Chris Paul and Melo and LeBron and D. Wade getting together to play. Unless, I mean, I guess that team could win the East, but I don't think that team is very competitive for a championship. It depends on, um, I think it would be competitive if, and this is a you know huge if obviously, um, but if Dwayne Wade and and Melo, <clears throat> you know, take veteran contracts, and all they do is play the bench and uh, you know have supporting roles, yeah, that would they're be gonna fun. do that. Yeah. But I mean, I would rather like this year. I think they would rather have um, like Dwayne Wade or Melo instead of Shumpert or Corver. I mean, it's just they—they're they, are they're just better players than those guys. But the problem with that is, are those guys really going to be be able to accept a, you know, bench role for eighty, you know, for the playoffs? Because they're not going to get a ton of time in the playoffs if they aren't taking those those kind of roles. So I just don't see it working out from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking, you know, those four start and then. Mm-hmm. A center starts with them. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, if, that wouldn't have that wouldn't be enough talent to beat the Warriors this year. No way. Yeah, and then yeah, but I mean, if D Wade and Melo come off the bench for you know a mid level exception, that would be different. But I don't see them guys doing that anyway. Um, with LeBron being the the Players Association president or whatever, he's kind of you yeah. know can't really do that kind of financial stuff. Because it's such well, a bad precedent. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't even know if Chris Paul and LeBron. It's kind of almost like Harden and LeBron, or I mean, I mean Harden and Chris Paul. You know, Chris Paul kind of needs the ball to be a facilitator, and that's what LeBron does. And Melo so, needs the ball in his hands. And Melo needs the ball in his hands to score. So I mean, those guys don't really. I mean, I know they're friends and they want to play together, and that's fine, but. Their games don't really mesh well with each other. Uh, no, not at all. Um, well, I mean, if you if you go, you know, if LeBron and Chris Paul can figure it out, and they run the starters, and D Wade and Melo run with the second team. Like, I mean, that was your scenario, sort of. Yeah. Unless unless Melo can become. Um, well, Melo needs to become just like a Ray Allen. Well, like, yeah, like, Steph Curry this year, like, he completely deferred to Durant. Like, if, if Melo can do that, that's a completely different story. But years past, you know, proves that he can't. I mean, he doesn't even, he gets the ball with 20 seconds left on the shot clock, and he still has it in his hands with four seconds left. I mean, that's just, that's not going to, that's not going to happen with LeBron or Chris Paul on her team. Yeah, Melo... I don't, yeah, Melo really doesn't fit. Melo and Chris Paul really don't fit. I mean, LeBron and D-Wade obviously played together already, but um, I don't know. I, I don't like the idea. And, I don't think and it, it, I don't think it's going to happen anyway. But Yeah, and I've heard people bring up, well, it worked in USA basketball, but that was completely different because 
those guys are only playing a certain time, uh, set of minutes. You know, they're not playing the full game like they would in an NBA game. Yeah, those and are, the talent they, level mm-hmm. is is lower of opponents. Yeah. And everybody else on your team is Kobe and Paul George and... Yep, exactly. <laughs> every other All-Star, so... So, yeah. And the game's different, too, with the rules and the keys and the... Um, so, yeah, that's a that's a, a weird comparison. I don't think it would work. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's just a fantasy idea. Yeah. Um... Maybe in uh, Ice Cube's league they can get together and, and run that in a couple oh, of years. Oh, yeah. I was very disappointed to hear that Iverson is not going to play that much. Yeah, I didn't watch it. I, I They didn't air it live, apparently. they It was on tape delay the next night. Yeah, it was. It was on um, the next day. Which kind of sucks, but I saw, like, three players got hurt, and you said, I, and I, yeah, like you said, Iverson's not going to play a lot, so... I mean, I don't have any interest in watching it, but... No, if if I, I didn't to start, but if Iverson was going to play every single game, I would probably try to watch his games. But, yeah, I, I don't really have... I mean, I think it's a cool idea. It's just, I don't know. I'm not going to sit down and watch it. <clears throat> yeah, I think it'd be... I mean, they were in the Barclays. I think it'd be cooler if they went to... A smaller arena, maybe like half the size of the Barclays, and you know, did it there. It'd be sweet to see them at like out, like Rucker Park. Yeah, I was gonna say if they went to Rucker Park and like Venice Beach and that kind of stuff. Yeah, that would definitely be a lot, uh, a lot more, you know, fun to watch if they were in a smaller setting. Yeah, I don't mean I don't know like the production value, like like the commentary, or I don't even know. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't have any interest in watch in watching it, but it's yeah. something out there. If I mean, I guess they announced three on three for the Olympics, so if you like to watch that kind of basketball, you'll be seeing a lot more of it, I guess. Yep. Um, other than that, I have. Um, in the NBA draft we talked about last and um, I don't know nothing really crazy oh Paul George got traded I guess that's the only crazy thing that happened Jimmy Butler yeah I mean Jimmy Butler <laughs> got yeah. traded to the, to the Timberwolves that's the only thing that happened yeah um, as far as the draft goes draft picks happened no real surprises I don't remember anything crazy happening during the draft as far as picks goes I was a little bit surprised that uh, Monk went to the Hornets at 11, I think. I thought he would have went earlier. Um, But nothing really in the top... Nothing really in the top five. I know... I was a little bit surprised to see that... I don't know if you've heard anything about Josh Jackson... um, Declining his... um, Workout with the Celtics... But apparently, the Suns told him to that they wanted to pick him, and he should cancel his uh, workouts with the top teams. Yeah. And I think he went. To, I think he went to the Sixers, but I'm pretty sure he canceled L.A. and Boston. And Boston was like kind of pissed off at him. But to me, it's like 
I don't know. I've said all along that Jason Tatum is going to be the best player in this draft. So by Josh Jackson rejecting the Celtics offer for their workout, you know, Celtics kind of, to me, lucked into drafting Tatum because not that they wouldn't have drafted him anyway, but it kind of sealed the deal for them to take uh, Tatum instead of Jackson. So it's just a little bit of a weird situation because you wouldn't think that a player would want to uh, cancel his workouts with any team unless he has a, like I said, unless the Suns actually did tell him, like, we're going to pick you. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a weird thing. Like, private workouts are kind of a a weird thing. It's like pro days for the NFL, kind of, but the opposite of that, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I could see not doing any workouts. Like, I think a lot of guys in the NFL are going to skip their pro days after that guy tore his Achilles during his his pro day. Um. Mm. And, uh, well, it's, it's different, though, because basketball, the combine is not as big of a deal. The, you know, the, the top guys don't go yeah. in the NBA. So I guess their uh, their workouts are their showcase. <clears throat> yeah. But I think moving forward for the NFL and for NBA, you know, they're just going to rely on their on their tape to, to solidify their draft stock rather than risk working out for a team with no contract or you know insurance policy or whatever whatever can happen yeah and that makes sense because those all those pro days are is a live highlight reel yeah i mean if you want to watch a highlight oh, you're just reel, running through drills yeah you know so yeah I'm, yeah I, they're I'm, uh i'm I in mean, favor of them not doing that anymore yeah, I mean, maybe just, like, for if they wanted to have you in for a physical or, uh, you know, mm-hmm. an interview or something, that'd be fine, but... I mean, they know what they're getting. I mean, what what could... I mean, these guys are, you know, getting shots up anyway and doing drills anyway on their own. Yeah. So, I mean, what what can you see that you didn't see, you know, playing in, in the minimum 30 games, you know? Mm-hmm. Or and maybe maybe like you wouldn't go to a workout if you were like Kyrie, who was hurt his year and had to prove his foot was healthy and prove he could do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep. Um. And that's it. Well, that's it for the draft anyway. Um, another NBA note: Phil Jackson was fired by the Knicks today. Yep. And that ends a. Uh, a fiasco he created sort of in the in the garden there I mean yeah. to be fair the Knicks have been a fiasco for what 25 years now yeah but he kind of I don't know kind of blew it out of the water there he um you know was wouldn't give up the triangle offense uh Feuded with Melo and Porzingis this off season, so it was kind of a, yeah. all over the place for him. Uh, so that's it for the NBA, I think. Oh, Russell Westbrook won the MVP. Oh yeah, I did see that. They announced that. Um, if I had a vote, that's who I would have voted for. 
I don't know who you would have voted for, but... Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, just the... You have a triple-double, how do you not win MVP? Yeah, he was... I mean, that's a very good point. He, he just... To me, he dominated the league. I mean, and it was night in, night out, like you said. He averaged a triple-double, but he did more than just average one. Like, he was legit getting one every night. You know, it's... You know, it's easy to... I mean, well, it's not easy, so I shouldn't say that, but... You know, if you have 18 rebounds in one game and then four the next, like, that's different. But he was consistently getting double digits in all three categories each night, <clears throat> which is, you know, kind of impressive, even more so than just averaging a triple-double for the year. Uh, yeah, he, I think he broke the record for triple-doubles in a season as well on the way to averaging a triple-double. Um... But he had like forty, like forty-five triple doubles or something. So that's you know, more than half the games they played, he had a triple double in. Yeah. Which is, I mean, yeah, like I said, if I would add an MVP vote, maybe in a couple years we'll get one. I might have one now. I think I think media members vote. We're basically media members now, so. Oh yeah. We gotta apply for that media pass for the McGregor May. Oh, we can't because we got a Cassie's wedding. But yeah, yeah. So uh, next year we'll probably have an MVP vote. I'll probably vote for J.R. Smith. Yeah, that'll they'll they'll take away our votes. Yeah, right <laughs> I was just gonna say that we that we get our our, our pass revoked and then at the end of that. Yep. I'm sorry. I saw you. With, Jr. was golfing with Ricky Fowler today. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Um, and with the Fourth of July coming up this weekend, they have the hot dog eating contest in Coney Island. Oh, we should have Bo on for that. I'm sure he's got it all lined up. I know. Maybe he'll uh, he'll tweet. We'll tweet out some stuff from Bo for the. For the hot dog eating contest, I don't even know if, if Joey Chestnut's still in it or not. But um, my guess is he probably is. Joey Chestnut is a mainstay there now. Who was the guy that used to be good before him? Um, Kobayashi. Yeah, Kobayashi. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, you got to root for Joey Chestnut if he's in it, pretty much. I'm just looking at. I'm just looking at past winners. He, last year he ate. Wait, yeah, last year he ate seventy in ten minutes. That's seven dogs a minute. That's just ridiculous. That's bun and dog. Seven buns and dogs a minute. That's impressive. The year, the year before that, he didn't win. Some guy won with sixty-two. But like the five, oh jeez, like the ten years before that. Joey Chestnut won. <laughs> so. Yeah, we'll try to get Bo to break it down on Twitter or something. Yeah, and, and then uh, before that, Kobayashi was the... Let's see when it is... Um, oh, it's actually on the 4th of July, so it'll be on Tuesday. Yeah, it's always on the 4th of July. Yeah, I didn't know if it was like if it fell on a weekend they would do it or whatever, but 
funny. I had a Nathan Saw Dog once. It was pretty sweet in Coney Island. Did you? Oh yeah, one time. One time for everything. Um. So yeah, watch that. That's always fun. I don't know. It's probably on there in a day. Oh, but we'll, yeah, nobody has work that day, so. Watch that. Eat some of your own dogs. I wouldn't recommend eating 70 of them, but. The <laughs> <laughs> well, might. Yeah, maybe uh, for 4th of July 2018, we'll have a Channel 79 hot dog eating contest. It'll be like the World Series of Wilcox, but it'll be the hot dog eating contest of Wilcox, or wherever the heck we have it in. And I have one more note on my end. There, I think Pacquiao's boxing on ESPN this weekend. Oh yeah, who's he fighting? Um, I'll tell you in thirty seconds. Oh, Horn. Jeff Horn. Not uh, Jimmy Horn. Jeff. Oh yeah, I just I just made made that up. <clears throat> he is fighting Jeff Horn in Bisbane, Australia. I didn't even know he was still an active boxer. Jeff Horn? No, Pacquiao. He fought last November 5th, 2016. He won a WBO welterweight title from vacant. From vacant? He just won <laughs> it from vacant? Yeah. Oh, that's that must have been a hell of a fight. <laughs> well, he, he beat Jesse Vargas. Oh. <clears throat> 59 and 6 is Pacquiao's record. Jeff Horn's record is 16 and 0. Uh oh. He's getting that push like the UFC. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, I think Pacquiao is like, has a um, like an agreement with ESPN to have fights like his promotion is gonna have fights on there now or something. I don't know. Oh. So he's got to be old too. Yeah, he's thirty-eight. So I don't know. Watch that Saturday or whatever day it is. If you're not doing anything, I don't think anything else crazy is going on this weekend. So. No, this is going to be a pretty quiet weekend. Baseball, and that's about it. Yeah, I know. I don't have anything to watch this weekend. I don't think. Yeah. Um, but that's all the notes I have, so if you have anything else, you can roll with it. Oh, yeah, it. I got it. The well, first note I'll bring up is, uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but the Supreme Court's going to hear the sports betting case. Yeah, I so. thought pro, pro Football Talk had an article. Um, hopefully they pass it. And I can bet at the casino up here. That'd be freaking sweet. Yeah, it says um, New Jersey. So New Jersey's obviously the state that's behind this, but they're trying to legalize gambling. Um, and, they'll, and the Supreme Court actually accepted it. So... <clears throat> When they do hear the case, it'll be, um, it'll be New Jersey representing, you know, legalizing uh, betting, 
and so the article that I read, obviously, um, it was a 1992 Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act that originally banned uh, sports gambling in all but four states. So Nevada, Delaware, Montana, and Oregon were the only four that permitted sports betting. Um, but Nevada was the only one, I think, I believe Nevada is the only one that allows like all sports betting. Um, <clears throat> so throughout the years then, in 2014, New Jersey tried to pass a law and it originally got accepted. And then the, the major sports leagues um, sued to get it, you know, to stop it. So it's, it stopped it then in its tracks in 2014. And now they're bringing it back up. And um, <clears throat> Governor Chris Christie is uh, supporting this. And basically his comments were that it would help um, the Atlantic City casinos that have been pretty much almost going bankrupt because <laughs> they just, I mean, they just tried to make it Las Vegas East. And I was in Atlantic City and it's really nice. And the casino we stayed at was really nice, but... I think like six months after we stayed there, that casino went bankrupt. And it's easy to tell why, because there just wasn't a ton of people there. Like when we went to Vegas, there's just people everywhere at all hours. And when we were walking around Atlantic City in one of the mornings, like there was barely anybody there. So, you know, it made sense to me why some of these casinos were, <clears throat> you know, sort of going out of business. So one, the hope is that through passing this sports betting law, they could re-energize Atlantic City. And so there's also um, eight states in line with New Jersey. Connecticut, Hawaii, Maryland, Michigan, New York, South Carolina, West Virginia, and Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. That already, yep, so that they already have, I guess, bills on deck so that if this law passes, they're going to push theirs through, and um, I forget who it was, Daniel Wallach, who's like an attorney, a sports attorney, who's actually, when I was in Boston, listened to a lot because they brought him in for uh, Gate and what that meant to the Patriots, so I'm kind of familiar with Daniel Wallach at this point, but um, he basically said that if the Supreme Court rules that New Jersey's allowed to have sports betting, that those eight states will immediately file this paperwork, their paperwork, and they should be able to um, have their own sports betting regulations, you know, <clears throat> right after New Jersey would. So for us in Pennsylvania, that's obviously good news. Uh, for the other states that aren't listed, you know, maybe not so good news because it'll come down to each individual state whether or not they want to per, they want to permit you know legalized sports betting so um and then in this article too it says all all the major sports leagues will fight this in the to the better end except um they said that NBA, there is but... some well yeah they said except there is some support from key executives from each league and most notably um the commissioner of the NBA, yeah, uh, so Nate Silver, he wants, um, he thinks it's a good idea to legalize it. So he's so even though the the NBA's stance is 
to reject sports betting it's kind of almost like a a false rejection right it's like oh we don't really want this but their commissioner adam silver has been you know repeatedly stating that he wants it and that he thinks that they're i mean he doesn't want it completely or he doesn't want it to just be run by um just anybody he wants regulations on it but he is more open to it than you know the previous nba commissioner and other commissioner current commissioners so there is some support within the leagues which is a which is always a good thing for um for this uh sports betting law to get passed so that's a that's that's a good thing yeah that's good news on it um i said me just to clarify so this vote will only be for new jersey right new jersey well new jersey's taking it in front of the supreme court and then if they get it overturned then other states can apply to have sports betting so right so they'll, they'll, so like pennsylvania have to go through the same process that new jersey just went through for they, what, well, three they, years they or whatever well, I don't think that they'll have to go through like the Supreme Court or anything. So it would ch- it would basically change the federal guidelines. This yeah. vote this vote would change the federal guidelines, and then Pennsylvania would have to run it through their yeah court their own court system or whatever. Yeah. So basically, from from what I understand is once if this if New Jersey if the Supreme Court says New Jersey allowed to have sports betting, then all other states are allowed to have sports betting. They just have to pass their own laws. To you know, right? Their own state, their own state laws. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it'll be up to each individual state, but Pennsylvania and the other seven states I listed with them have they already, already have it drawn up pretty much. Yep, they've already introduced their own bills. They just need to wait for it to be legalized. All right, that's interesting. That would be sweet. You know, I mean, we both have casinos a couple of miles from us, so. Yep. I imagine that's where the betting would take place. It'll be interesting to see when, if it does happen, if one of the major casinos um, sort of takes over as the as the you know holy grail of sports betting. Because right now in Vegas, you know each one has their own little sports betting, and these ones like Pennsylvania, like the Rivers. They don't have to deal with sports betting, so it'll be interesting to see if they outsource their odds and lines to another casino in Vegas, or if they bring in people to do the odds and lines. You know, a hometown sort of company that does it for them in Pittsburgh, because you know they don't have to deal with it now. So what they don't need to have a group of anybody who sets up the lines like the odds makers. So it'll be interesting to see if they, if you go to those casinos and you see, oh, odds by, and then like maybe MGM in Vegas. So we'll have to wait and see how that shakes out. Yeah, I bet you like uh, the big, what's the big sports book out there? I'm not sure. Um, I don't know, but I bet you like, uh, you know, like MGM or the Mirage or the Bellagio or whoever owns them will, you know, um, try, you know, try to 
partner with the rivers or with the casino up here to mm-hmm. run their sports you know run their sports book i guess be smart on their part yeah and that's if, what i that's what i mean like if because if you're if you're the rivers why wouldn't you just call up one of those sports books and say hey you guys have art you guys are already doing the lines and odds you know let's just use them here or they could they could do it their own. I mean, they could just keep they could just copy. They could just say, okay, let's wait to see what they post their lines as, and we'll post the same lines. I mean, they could yeah. do that too. Yeah, I mean, imagine they would just um, yeah, just post like if say like um, like MGM bought uh, you know like the rights to the Rivers sportsbook or whatever. They'd probably just post the lines from MGM. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, I mean, it'd be smart for, you know, MGM, or, I mean, I'm sure the, there's a massive company that owns, you know, a lot of casinos out there anyway that could do it, but... Yeah. Um, that'd be sweet if I could go to a sports book in, or, I mean, a, yeah, sports book in Pennsylvania and watch football on Sunday. Yep. Um, yeah, that'd be awesome. So that'd be interesting. I'm... That'd be sweet if they could get it done before the season, but that'd be a little bit of a rush job, I think. Yeah, I don't think they're going to... I don't think... I mean, I can't imagine that the Supreme Court doesn't have other important cases to deal with. So. Well, I think I think that's why it took so long to hear it, and now they're finally getting to hear it, yeah. as I understand it. Well, the other, the other note of interest that I've seen was Trump's... Trump administration actually requested that the Supreme Court didn't take this case which is um, interesting because Trump owned or does own I don't know if he still does or not but he owned casinos in Atlantic City yeah he probably still does because that's just something he would do um, I don't know I don't know why if that's just a you know just a thing the president does for every hearing yeah. Well, I mean, it was. I don't think it's him personally saying anything, but I think it's just like his administration that was like, you know, don't hear this case. So that's just what's interesting about it is somebody well, on his team probably is advising. Um, they're probably not advising the Supreme Court, but they probably give their two cents on what cases they should be that should be heard and not heard. And then it's up to the Supreme Court to obviously, you know, do whatever they want, but... <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I don't really... I don't know a lot about that stuff, so... Well, they're hearing it anyway, so we'll see where it goes. Yep. And I'm rooting for Pennsylvania sports books. That might be the... That might be the death of my bank account. Or the, or the rejuvenation. Or the rejuvenation. Who knows? So, but yeah, that's what I had on. That's what I had on sports betting in general. But <clears throat> since we're talking about betting, it's also looking at a couple prop bets today um, for the NFL. <coughs> well, mostly the NFL. There were a couple I found interesting on um, baseball. 
and you can put your two cents in if you want or not um, but one of the prop bets is um, uh, will Tim Tebow play make a double-a appearance baseball appearance in 2017 probably you, not because that's still more it's still two more call-ups yeah but his but it, the odds of that are plus 400 oh so and then the other one is will he make a triple a plate appearance and the odds of that is plus a thousand <laughs> so yeah i would guess no but i think he's hitting bombs like he did today yeah but also right. you gotta you gotta you gotta remember though that a lot of that a lot of those minor league stuff is publicity so for somebody like tebow it's much much more reasonable just be you know besides how he plays just to have tim tebow called up to the double a team yeah i get it but you can't i mean there's only so far you can go right and i don't know it's not like the i don't, I don't even know what to compare it to but i mean you can only push things so far before they jump the shark to steal a steal a phrase yeah, the other, the only other prop bet from baseball I've seen, which I haven't seen before, is which rookie will break Mark McGuire's rookie regular season home run record, and then you can bet Aaron Judge only, Cody Bellinger only, both Aaron Judge and Cody Bellinger or neither. <coughs> so I thought that was interesting because his the this regular season rookie record is forty nine. And Judge has like what twenty four, I think. So um, he's on. Yeah, pace. I don't know. He was on pace to break it, but he still has. Jesus, I mean, he still has July, August, and September. So if he hits a cold streak, at any point, you know, he's not going to make it. But as of now, he's on. Um, I think he's got. So he has twenty six. So, I mean, you're only looking at 23 more with still a half a season left. Yeah, I mean, that's not... Uh, what are the odds for him? Um, His was plus 250. Yeah, that's not too bad. So, I thought that was interesting. Um, that's in range, for sure. Yep, definitely. And then Cody Bellinger, he's the rookie for the Dodgers. He's kind of in the same position. Yeah, he's dumb. <laughs> well, maybe. Cody um, Bellinger is a dumb name. And then I was looking at prop bets for the for the NFL, and if you had to guess odds to win the MVP, who would you think it would be? Uh, it gotta be Brady. Yep, Brady. And then you know you have a guess for second best odds. Uh, give me a position. Quarterback. They're all quarterbacks. Brady, Rogers. Yep. Um, yes, for three. Third, another quarterback. Yep. Uh, is it Dak? No. Is cool. it Breeze? Dak was fifth. No. Think is new it... contract. Oh, new. Oh, what? Oh no, Derek Carr. Derek Carr, yeah. Yeah. I was surprised. So, so the first two, I was kind of a big drop off from one and two. What are the odds that from two to three? 
It's well, Rogers is plus seven hundred, Carr's plus nine hundred. Oh, that's not bad. No, so I I I seen the first two. I was like, that's reasonable. But here's the next, here's the next four, and you tell me if they're reasonable. Well, Carr obviously we've already discussed, but then it's Roethlisberger. Like, come on, he's not gonna win MVP. That's some that's some Steeler fans throwing away money right there. Yeah, then Dak like. Dak's good enough to be a good quarterback, but he can't. I don't think he's going to be the MVP with Elliott on his team. Yeah. Um, and then Russell Wilson, and then Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan to me makes the most sense. He probably got, um, you know, since he's on the Falcons, and they had a good season last yeah, year. Yeah, Ryan should probably be third. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. But then, like, like Drew Brees, like you brought up, like, Ezekiel Elliott's ahead of him, Cam Newton's ahead of him, Andrew Luck's ahead of him. Like, that's not... Okay, I would rather bet, I'd rather bet on Brees than those guys. What's, what's Brady at? Brady's plus 450. So, he's far and away above the other guys. Yeah, I mean, you almost have to take Brady... And then, like, some of these players, like, I can't imagine people betting on this, but then you look at the odds and you're like, well, I don't know, maybe. So, like, Vaughn Miller, he's plus, I think that says 100,000. Oh, man, I would I know, bet 10, that. No, plus 10,000. I'd still bet that. Like, it, I think the minimum for these bets is 10. So even if you bet 10 bucks on plus 10,000... Like, it's possible, I guess. <clears throat> like, uh, Joe Flacco's plus 10,000. Like, I don't know. Is Joe Flacco any less likely than Roethlisberger to win it? And Roethlisberger's only plus 1,000. I still wouldn't take those Flacco odds. I wouldn't take Roethlisberger's either, but, <clears throat> you know, Winston's plus 5,000. So, I don't know. I just, I thought there a couple of those were... Head scratchers to me as to why they would be so high. What's the odds of Andy Vo winning NFL MVP? Andy Vo? Yeah. I don't know, but didn't we have a the bad... great the great Andy Vo debate? Do you remember that? Is, is that the one where he? I, I don't know. And re reinform me. If he, I think it was if he got a hundred carries in the NFL. Yeah. Okay. Like how many? Like how many yards would he have, or something like that? Yeah. I forget I forget the number of yards, but I it was so ridiculous. I was like, "There's no way." Yeah, the great Andy Bowe debate. We should we should bring that up one of these weeks. I, I we can't should. remember the exact yardage, but oh, I, I don't was, know. I mean, yeah, I don't I don't I don't even know if it was an over under. I think it was just you know. Oh, good. it was just a guess. How many I would think, he have? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we should we should we should definitely bring that up in a different podcast. But it was either that or like. Just po- just positive. Would he have positive rushing yards? I think. Yeah, I don't know. That's that was. I do remember that vaguely, but. Yeah, the great um, Andy Vota. Yep. But that's all I had for uh, sports betting wise. Um, the only other notes I have in here are UFC, um, the fight night from Oklahoma City. Uh. Yeah, I watched a little bit of it. Yeah, so I just wanted to run through some of the matches and talk about them, I guess, a little bit. Did you watch the BJ Penn-Dennis Seaver fight? 
Yeah, a little bit. You know, just because BJ Penn is... I mean, I didn't watch when he was a big star, but he's about as big as a star as you could have got back in the day. Yeah. Um, he did okay. The first round did okay again in the second round, and then um, was just trying to get out of the ring, basically, in the third, and lost yeah. by decision, I believe. Yeah, that's basically how it went down. Um, <clears throat> and I recognized uh, Seaver. I think McGregor fought him a couple years ago. So. Yeah, I just think it looked like Penn needs to go back into retirement. You know, he just looked out of place, and he, this is the second fight in a row that he kind of looked that way. So, um, I don't know. It just didn't look. It just didn't look right. It, at the end, it just. I know he. I know his leg took a beating, and he had a huge black and blue mark at the top of his leg. But at the end, he couldn't even stand, and he just looked completely um, uninterested in the fight. So. That's just how I, that's how I viewed it. So I hope he just retires, but it doesn't seem like he's going to. Um, yeah, for sure. That's the same. I mean, I've listened to Ariel Hawani's show and I listened to Brennan Schaub's show and they say the same thing. You know, he looked third round. He looked like he didn't want to be in there and hopefully he can retire again and find some happiness this time and retire. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like, he's he's been a great ambassador for the sport, but his time has definitely passed him by. So, and then the other the other fight after that was Tim Means-Alex Garcia. That was that was a decent fight all, all around, but there was nothing nothing major that stuck out to me. So I don't know if you've... Yeah, I don't know if I uh, even paid attention to that one. That one was... You know, it was it it was what it was. It wasn't um, the greatest fight. It was it had it had entertaining moments, but overall, it was probably the least interesting fight. And then there was the Dominic Reyes, Joaquin Christensen fight that lasted, I don't know, all of twenty seconds. So if you blink, you miss that one. Dominic Reyes just came out and just laid it on Christensen. So that was a good. Yeah, fight that was for, the. That was a new guy, the new kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that one. Yeah, so he came out and I mean, he went right after Christensen and like I said, I think the I think the fight only lasted 28 or 30 seconds. <coughs> so, he just came out and dropped him. Um and this this the Reyes, Dominic Reyes who won the fight. Um yeah, he's getting a lot of hype now. Um I think I believe he's 7 and 0. Uh so this was his first fight in the UFC. Yep. So he's definitely gonna get a little bit of a little bit of a push, you know, in the next the next couple, you know, months here. So I would expect to see him back on a card in under three months. Um, but yeah, he was he definitely looks the looks the part, and he had a lot of power. So um, that was a that was a fun fight to watch, even though it was only twenty seconds. Uh, the next fight of the night then was Felice. I don't know if it's Felicia or Felice Herrig. Felice Herrig and uh, Justine Keish. Yeah, Justine Keish. So that was another. That was another really good fight. That one went the distance. Um, Herrig had Kish in a submission move that I, I do. 
for the life of me, cannot understand how she didn't finish her. But she didn't finish her. Um, did you have any... Did you watch that fight? Yeah, I did. Um, I mean, she had the uh, the choke locked in. Um, pretty deep, I thought. I don't know how she got out of it either. I mean, she had it locked in, standing up, and then took her to the ground, still locked in. And um, she kind of rolled her way out. And I forget how it ended. Did it end? It was a decision for. Her. Yeah, it was a decision. Yeah. So. Yep. But she had. I mean, she dominated the whole fight. It wasn't really. It wasn't really a contest at all. Um, it was a fun fight to watch, but yeah, she just controlled it for the majority of the fight. Um, and then the the second to last one, the co-main event was Tim Bosch and Johnny Hendricks. Yeah, this was jo- yeah, Tim Bosch won, right? Yeah, he won by TKO. And Johnny Hendricks also missed weight, so. Yeah, this is what his second. I think they said second time he missed weight. So I think he missed weight twice at uh, seventy-five. So he moved up to eighty-five, made it once, and then missed it this fight. Yeah. Yeah. So he's. <clears throat> yeah, he's had a, 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 pretty long, pretty long career too. I mean, he's got like twenty-five fights under his belt, so he's getting up there in age. But I never understand. And I'll say this every time. I never understand how fighters miss weight. And it's the same thing as I don't understand how they uh, don't know the rules whenever they're in a different state. Like this one they made. This one I felt like when I was watching the coverage, um, John Anik made a couple different references to how Oklahoma has not adopted the new rules. So... You know, I feel like maybe that's much more of an emphasis going forward now for the UFC to make sure that the fans and the fighters know that there's a different, you know, differences in rules. But I don't, I don't understand how fighters don't understand the rules and how they miss weight. Like, you know, it's not like this was a pop-up fight. Like, you know what you have to get to. And if you can't get to it, don't be fighting at that weight. That I mean, that's something that always frustrates me. I know... Then the, I, I forget how it works. The other fighter gets 20%. some of some of the yeah. So I mean, it benefits the other fighter because usually the guy who's who doesn't make weight has tried really hard to cut weight and comes into the fight a little bit weaker than they're, you know, normally going to come into a fight even though they didn't even make the weight. Yep. So it kind of works as a double advantage to the guy who made the weight because not only does he get paid more. But he's also, you know, at the right weight, and he he probably cut it within, you know, reason so that he got to that weight. Where the other guy struggled to cut the weight, and he's going to lose money for it. So, I don't know. I just, whenever I hear that, I just shake my head like, come on, you got to get, if you're going to fight there, you got to get to that weight. Now, yeah, I have a little um, bit more. Yeah, go uh, ahead. Uh, I was going to say, like, uh, I know Rogan... Like is a is a speaks out a lot against cutting weight and cutting excessive amounts of weight anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I kind of agree with them. Like, there's no reason to like for Connor to cut down to 45 when he is super healthy and super, you know, uh, hydrated and doesn't have to suck himself down to nothing to get to 45. If you know, he can just go to 55. 
I think hopefully, you know, moving forward, um, maybe with a new generation of fighters coming up, they won't um, have to try to get down to, you know, cut extreme weight and fight at a healthier weight for what they're walking around, you know, close to what they're walking around at. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, I know some fighters see it as a benefit because if you if you can really fight at 165, but you can cut to 155, like a lot of fighters feel like that's better because they're more powerful than the one than the traditional 155 fighter. But I don't. I yeah, mean, I mean, it's to, just not a good idea to cut that much. If you can make it comfortably, you know, if you like a lot of these guys walk around probably one or two weight classes above. Well, like Connor's probably at one close to. I mean, he's at least one sixty-five walking around. Mm-hmm. So he has to cut twenty pounds. Why not just cut ten? Be strong and healthy. And exactly. Um. I mean, because he fought. I, I mean, he couldn't get up to one seventy to fit to fight Diaz. Um. And the and the Mayweather fights at one fifty four, so he's you know cutting a little bit away for Mayweather, but yeah, not bad, but, but that's a comfortable that's a comfortable shift when you're when you're dropping two weight classes, like that's just not gonna be that's not gonna be a good ending for most people. Yeah, I don't think your body can do that, you know, fifteen twenty times without yeah super lasting effects. Well, that's and that's the other thing you have to do it consistently. Like you might get away with it as a one-off, yeah. But if you got to do that consistently and get that ten pounds under or twenty pounds under, like eventually it's going to wear thin on your body and your body's going to break down. So that's why. But I'm also not in favor of any weight drops. Like you should be fighting at your weight, whatever your walking around weight is. Now, if you can. Now, if it's eight pounds over and you can cut eight pounds before the fight, that's one thing. But you you shouldn't be cutting double digit pounds to get down to a to a different weight class. Yeah, I mean, so. if they have you, if they have you saw to follow and these guys are all around everywhere, you know, why not when they sign a UFC contract, they weigh in, you know, once a mo- once a month with a, a UFC official and. They can only cut a percentage of that weight, you know, whatever the healthy percentage is. I don't know. I'm not smart enough yeah. to, to have that number, but I'm sure there's a, a medical study that says you can cut this percentage of your weight over this amount of time, mm-hmm. and and that's what they should be doing. And a lot of these, a lot of these people, for the most part, probably my guess is probably 80 to 85 percent of these fighters are fighting out of Las Vegas, Florida. I think there's a bunch in, in LA. LA. I think there's but but you can set up some of these UFC official centers around these different areas and then just have these people come in and have official weigh-ins. I mean, like, you wouldn't you would you wouldn't you wouldn't have to do that. I mean, you you uh, send an official out to their gym. Right. I mean, I, that's the other way around is just have the officials go to the gym, but you know, the, you, br- you bring you bring a UFC scale that's dialed in, that's not, you know, juiced one way or the other. Yeah. You could do it either way. That'd be the yeah, way I, I think do there it. There should be a Yeah, I think there should be a different measure of keeping these guys in check. Um <clears throat> but anyway, then the on to the last 
the actual main event. This one was over pretty quick also. Um, did you have, did you watch this one or? I didn't, I, I think I, I don't know, I must have fell asleep or something, but I saw, uh, what's the referee's name? Yamaguchi? Yeah, Yam Yamaguchi. Um, I actually watched a lot of, uh, like, uh, videos from MMA guys, like Luke Thomas and Ariel and Brendan Shaw breaking down, you know. Well, I guess we'll tell him what happened. Um, Lee had him in a real naked choke, had it sunk in super deep. And then the, you know, I don't know who he fought. I forget, but the guy never tapped, um, never you know ver verbally tapped or physically tapped or you know went, passed out. And then the ref came in and stopped it, regardless. So, like I said, I, I've I've taken in a lot of opinions and breakdowns and stuff about this. So, if you want to give your view of it first, you can go ahead. Yeah. So he was. So basically, like you said. Um, Kevin Liu was all over him from start to finish. I mean, all over. He fought Michael Chiesa. And Chiesa, <clears throat> you know, they started out and they were wrestling. You know, they got they got into the clinch a little bit. And uh, Kevin Lee was all over him from start to finish. And there was a couple moves in there that, um, like, Chiesa had him, had him by the neck, sort of. And... Uh, Kevin Lee went to slam him, and it looked like Kiesa actually gave him a DDT, like WWE style, but Kevin Lee was actually in control of that, and then towards the end of the round, he got he got his back, and he was, you know, punching him and uh, loosening up Kiesa for the rear naked choke, and he locked it in, and at first, um, Kiesa was fighting it off, you know, he was reaching up, grabbing Kevin Lee's arm to break the choke hold and at one point Lee kept his arm underneath Kiesa's chin and took his took the other arm that he was holding the lock in with he let go of it and re-gripped in a way that Kiesa couldn't grab his arm so he used to have so he had a grip where Kiesa was easily able to grab Kevin Lee's wrist and pull it down so he so Kevin Lee regripped and continued the rear all while continuing the rear naked chokehold he regripped to a position where there was no way Kiesa was reaching back and grabbing that and there was probably at this point 30 seconds left in the fight and Kiesa you can see it on the tape he like leans back a little bit and his arms are up like you know when sometimes somebody gets knocked out um, their arms go in zombie mode and they stick straight up and they're stiff. That's kind of what his arms kind of did. They, they kind of stayed stiff and he didn't make any movements and Yamaguchi, um, came in and like, you know, tapped Kevin Lee and said, it's over. And as soon as he said it was over, Kevin Lee kind of let go and like gave, uh, Kihesa a little shove to get him off him and... Right when he gave him that little shove, Kiesa like popped up and was like, I didn't, like, I didn't tap, I didn't tap. And it was already, obviously it was already over because the ref called it. But to me, it looked like in real time that Kiesa uh, was out and he couldn't tap. So that was my impression was that Kevin Lee had him unconscious and the ref stepped in. 
so I, I was just interested. I'm just interested now to hear what Schaub and them had to say about it because my impression was it was a good call. I didn't think it was controversial at all. I thought that Yamaguchi made the right call. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you had a good good visual for it there. Um, um, Luke Thomas, on he's part of Hawani's team on MMA fighting, um, had a very good video breakdown of, of what happened compared to what happened in other similar scenarios, like when Paige Van Zandt um, got choked out by Karate Hottie and when uh, Holly Holm got choked out by Misha Tate and uh, Bones Jones choked out you know, he went frame by frame and broke down. This happened, then this happened, then this happened. And, um, you know, the first thing that happened is they get the rear naked choke in, and then the guy getting choked, you know, goes to hand fight, tries to break break the choke from from the neck. And then what happens after that is, um, um, and then all the other instances, you know, they they these people passed out or whatever. So. Yeah. What happens when they're hand fighting is they stop hand fighting. Their hands come out, like you said. Um, Jesus, you know, Jesus' hands came out, stopped hand fighting, and then they collapse to the floor when you know the blood, the blood flow stops. Mm-hmm. So in all these instances, the hand fighting occurred, the hand fighting stopped, and the hands left, you know, left the neck area, and then they collapse to the floor. So all everything leading up to um, you know losing consciousness happened except the hands actually, you know, falling to the floor and being limped on the floor. So that was Luke Thomas's breakdown. He was completely fine with it. You know, he he said, you know, another split second, he's out anyway, or he was either, you know, just just going out at the time he stepped in. And same with Brandon Shaw. He didn't have a problem with the stoppage either. Um, you know, they, uh, up, you know, they... The, you know, like I said, they were both found to stoppage, and they, the only thing they were disappointed is, is everybody's talking about the stoppage now instead of the win, you know, that Kevin Lee, the performance he had, and and the momentum he had going now, you know, he's kind of in the, on the back burner now, I guess. But they were fine with the stoppage, you know, they, you know, it was, you know, 99% over anyway, and, and you know, sometimes you gotta make a decision and sometimes you're not 100% right but in this case they said you know he was you know 90 99% right anyway yeah yeah that's how that's that's exactly how I felt that he was right I mean after the fight Kenny Florian was you know all over the ref about stopping it and yeah yeah they did those guys gave him our time and Dana gave him our time too on social media as well Gave Yamaguchi a hard time. Yeah, but uh, I mean, that was heat of the moment. You know, ten minutes yeah. after the fight, if he, you know, got a chance to go to the office and look at it and talk to him, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Well, I don't know. I'm yeah. not sure. I don't know what that Dana's thinking, but you know, he might have changed his mind. Well, the the only thing that the only thing that um, keeps me from saying like, obviously, he was gonna finish him, is how many times, including the same night, have we seen somebody in a clear chokehold position and then not get finished? I mean, the Felice Herrick fight, two fights before that one, she had her locked in. She had her locked in, and somehow she didn't submit her. 
you know, so there was only 30 seconds left in the clock on the first round. I mean, who knows? Maybe he could have survived 30 more seconds of it. I don't, I personally don't think he could have, but you never know. They're, you know, when they, those, when those guys have those chokes in, they're, they're flexing their arms. You know, how long can you flex your arm before it gets tired? I mean, that's what they always say about some of those chokeholds is, you know, if they don't finish them, if he doesn't finish them that round, you know, the second or third round could be a little bit different because his arms are going to be exhausted from holding that choke in. So there have been times where people have gotten out of it, but in that particular fight and in that particular instance, to me, Kevin Lee was all over Kiesa, and he had no chance of winning that fight after that round. So really, you know, to me it felt like the, it was almost like a mercy killing because the ref was like, dude, if I don't call this, you're going to go limp. I mean, and who knows about, you know, I don't want to get into the lasting effects of losing consciousness from being choked out. But, um, you know, to me, it felt like he made the right call and I had no problem with it at all. Yeah, like I said, um, Luke Thomas on his YouTube has a good video breaking it down and breaking down other instances of the same thing. And he, um, I guess, like, according to, like, the, the referee guidelines or whatever, um, they can stop a fight as soon as a person stops intelli- intelligently defending themselves. Mm-hmm. So as soon as he stops hand fighting and the arms go out, that constitutes enough, you know, there's enough there for a stoppage. Yeah. So by, you know, by the rules, he, that was a fine stoppage, and, and by, it passed my eye test anyway, as a fine stoppage, so... Yeah, but that was but then the the post fight was interesting. He got into it with um, <clears throat> Tony Ferguson was in the studio with Tyrone Woodley and Kenny Florian, and Tony Ferguson is in the um, is in the lightweight division with the with Kevin Lee and Kiesa, <coughs> and they just asked you know they do, as they do all after every fight who do you want next? And Kevin Lee's like, I want Khabib. And Khabib's obviously um, the number one contender with Connor being the champion. But he's like, I want Khabib in December. And Tony Ferguson, who's number two in the thing, was in the studio and he's like, he's, you know, basically was getting all over Kevin Lee. Like, you have a lot to learn. You're a youngster. Like, I'm, I'm next in line for Khabib. And if you want to get to this level, you should be fighting... Um, people like Barboza or Eddie Alvarez and Kevin Lee was just like I don't like I don't need you to tell me how to or who I should fight or whatever he's like I want you guys ask me a question and I want Khabib and they kind of like you know they were going back and forth um, a little bit but you know Kevin Lee kind of just won me over in that instance because you know he's like screw you like give me the top guy I've come out here, I think this was like his fifth straight win, um, and Kiesa was a top five fighter, I think, or maybe six, I don't know. <coughs> so he's like, he's basically, he was just like, I want Khabib next, it's, he wants him, the, I guess UFC's going to Detroit in December, and that's where Kevin Lee's from, so he wants Khabib, if he can't get Khabib, 
he wants Nate Diaz, but Diaz isn't fighting, so um, Kevin Lee's kind of just going to be stuck in a little bit of a limbo, my guess is, until Ferguson and Khabib um, settle up. So my guess, my best guess is Khabib and Ferguson will fight before December, and then if Lee wins in December, he'll get whoever won that fight. So just to give you a heads up on what's coming down the coming down for lightweight division at least. Uh, what do you got? Anything else UFC related? Nope. Um, I got a couple of things. Um, just like the talk about last weekend, Bellator also had their event last weekend, mm-hmm. which was pretty good. I watched a couple of fights. Um, I don't know, nothing really great to talk about. There was a good women's fight. A boxer made her, or world champion boxer made her MMA debut. Heather Hardy, um, I believe she's from Brooklyn or New York City or something, so she fought in the garden. That was pretty cool for her, I'm sure. Um, she had an impressive knockout. She has a cool story and stuff, so hopefully Bellator can put the marketing machine behind her if she's... Um, you know, if that's what she continues to do. Um, other UFC news, Cyborg got a new opponent for 214. Tanya Evinger, um, she's coming over from Invicta. And I believe another note, UFC, they canceled um, their August card as to not to compete with the uh, McGregor fight, I would guess. And that's it. I mean, a couple fights were announced for some other cards, but nothing crazy. And um, that's it. I don't know if you have anything else, but no, not UFC. Uh, just I guess one quick note on the marketing thing that Felice Herrig, after her fight, said that she's not young or beautiful enough to yeah. for UFC to push. Yeah, I push. And I thought that was. I thought that was kind of funny, so, um, but yeah, they just, you know, everybody, that sport, in that sport, you have to find your own angle, and angle, and work that angle to get under the, or in front of the eyes of the matchmakers, because if you don't, there's hundreds of fighters that are looking to fight, so, if if you think if she thinks that the best way to get the next match and the biggest push is by saying, "Hey, you guys don't think I'm younger, beautiful enough to get the push," then more power to her. But that's not the approach that I would have taken. But um, I'm not her. I'm not her marketing team. So. Well, maybe she's. I don't know. I mean, it. It. I mean, that did make an appearance on all the MMA, you know, shows. So. Mm-hmm. You know, no. What do they say? All publicity is good publicity. So. Yep. So in that case, it works, but you know maybe that was just to start the conversation, and now she can mm-hmm. you know, put put the plan into place, so to say, and and keep it going. Yep. You had anything else at all, or is that it? Um. I mean, I had. I had some fantasy stuff, but let's let's hold off for that. We're not we're not ready for for that yet. Maybe we'll touch on it next week. Yeah, Mapro didn't even activate the league yet, so Yeah. I only had one league activated so far. That was my family league. 
Yeah, Troy's got his kick in, and then uh, I just got another one off today, so. Yeah, yeah so officially I only have one. So far. Yeah, we'll have a, I don't know, whatever. We'll have a big fantasy show for sure before our drafts and everything, so. Well, I'm, I figure each, for for everybody listening, I figure each week leading up to, each week in August, leading up to the actual start of the season, we'll probably have one or two guests on each week just to talk about their different fantasy teams and, you know, their kind of, um, strategy. their strategy going into their drafts and who they think are their sleepers. You know, we can have... We can have Troy on because, you know, he loves to talk about that stuff. So we can have a couple weeks. Pretty much every week in August we'll probably have at least some form of fantasy football um, to discuss. Yeah, I think uh, Mapro's draft is Labor Day. Does that, make, that sound right? Yeah, it could be. I don't know what I don't know exactly what day that is. but I'm pretty sure that's what he said. Um, Troy wants to have his draft. Night of McGregor fight, but if that's the case, I won't be there for that one, as I have prior obligations. Labor Day is, ooh, he's having that late. <clears throat> Labor yeah. Day is Sunday, and that's four days before the league starts. They start on September 7th, I believe, is the first real game. I think that's what he said. We'll have to clarify that. And I think that league is adding, well, adding back in the two, uh, <coughs> the two outcasts from last season. Craig and Seth. So it's going to be an official fourteen-team league, huh? I think so. That's the plan. As long as they want in, I mean, then at, then at least uh, I don't know. Maybe that'll if they don't want in, uh, which I'm sure they would. But if they don't, maybe two two new guys can get in. Oh, and uh, the other fantasy news, the Sloth still don't have a city to play in this season yet, so. No. Still working out the details for a new new host city. Yeah. Is there anybody in the running? Um, I don't know. I'm going to meet with no. my Sloth uh, agents, and, yeah. and we'll figure it out next week, maybe. Well, since we're closing out the show and we're still talking about fantasy. I just have one uh, more note that doesn't relate to fantasy. Oh, well, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get mine in first then. Alright. All right. Um, the FanDuel Channel 79 Baseball League. Uh, you know, I finished first this week. So. Oh, there's a free roll. I think there was a WNBA free roll tonight. You finished first? Yeah, I was first. I beat Luke. Or I finished first. Luke was second. Vo was third. So, that puts our total to I have two wins. Luke has one, and Vo has one. No, I didn't. I didn't do very good in the free roll. Oh, nobody played yet. That's probably why. Why didn't half these people play? Oh, they play tonight. Heard to play tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, I think, is the big. Seven p.m. Eastern and eight p.m. Eastern. Yeah, tomorrow night's. W. That's weird. They had one game tonight and two games tomorrow in a tournament. Oh. No, well, somebody got me zero, so that's nice. All right. Um, so if you want to join in, this is Channel 79 Baseball Fandle. Get a hold of T. He'll let you in. 
Yep. And um, that's it. If you want any money, donate it to us. That's right. And follow us on Twitter and go to our WordPress. And um, that's it. Follow us. Tweet us. Tell us what's up. Um, tell us about your fantasy team, your fantasy league. Um, tell us what you think about McGregor Mayweather. Tell us what you think about anything we talk about. And just my other note, as far as um, if it has to do with the McGregor fight, they um, announced like some, some sponsorship opportunities that they're selling. They're selling one like ring advertiser and that kind of thing. And that is a $10 million advertising spot. And then they have two, um, two more advertising spots for sale. It's like you sponsor the, the corners of the fighters. So that's two corners, and that's at $5 million for either corner. And so that'd be $20 million in just those ad revenues, which would break the record of those ad revenues of the Pacquiao Mayweather fight, which was only $13 million. So they have a big asking price for, for sponsorship. Yeah. And that's just, I'm sure somebody will that's just the three major ones. I'm sure, you know, there'll be little... There'll be little sponsors on the on the ring canvas and yeah. um, and that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know how like uh, commercial space works for pay per view. I'm sure the same kind of stuff for regular TV, but I'm sure that'll be expensive. Yeah. And um, yeah, and um, I don't know what like brand Mayweather usually wears, but McGregor is not bound to the Reebok deal. So he's a free agent, basically, so he can wear Nike or Adidas or Under Armour or whatever, you know. Whoever he wants to sign with, he's free to wear, so he's going to make a good chunk of money off of his apparel, you know, for for the fight and leading up to the fight and whatever whatever they sign him to. So that'll be a big stream of money for uh, McGregor there, not being stuck in the Reebok deal with UFC. That's a lot. I mean, I'm, he's going to make a lot of money if he can wear it. You know, if Nike can get on him in the ring and in all the the lead up videos and stuff, that's a that's a good marketing opportunity for somebody. Yeah. Yeah, I know when when Mayweather fought um, Canelo, he had a Fanduel patch on his shorts, and <laughs> I think Hugh, Hugh had a big Hublo like the watch maker. He had like a big Hublo sign on his. So I mean. I know he makes a bunch of money just off of stupid little patches on his shorts. Yeah, so, I mean, that'll be another revenue stream for McGregor there. Plus, like I said, if Nike or whoever pays them to wear their shorts and a robe in or, you know, whatever he's going to do. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, that's an interesting business side of things. Um, I, I would think, you know, if he's going to sign with Nike or Under Armour, they would want to get that done soon, you know, to get some merch out there or, or you know, put the shorts out or something cool like that. Yeah. It's surprising to me that there's no official merchandise out yet, which I would think would be a huge moneymaker for both sides. Yeah, exactly. You would think that they would have something. But there's nothing, you know, there's not a t-shirt or a poster or a... Any, there's nothing. There's no official uh, like memorabilia or merchandise or anything, which is super strange. Yep. 
Maybe they should hire us for that. We'll get it going. Yeah. Speaking of sponsorships, uh, Ganny, Narragansett Beer, tweeted at us. Oh, yeah. Shout out to them. I never had the beer, but it's uh, kind of a folk legend in our circle. It is. Yep. Well, I was in Boston, so I've had it plenty of times. But, yeah, in our, in our inner circle there, it is a little bit of a a little bit of a legend so shout out to them and yeah that's pretty much it for for this episode go check out the new the new addition to our website chalk talk that'll track that'll track all our bets and stuff throughout the year i like that that's a good one yep so that's a new page it's right next to the channel 79 talent page so you can't miss it that's right um all right, so go to the page, follow us on Twitter, um, listen to our podcast, Fourth of, at your 4th of July party, eat some hot dogs, some burgers, whatever you like, um, drink a few gannies, tweet them. Tweet at them. Don't let them know that Ch- Channel 79 sent you. Yep, that's right. We'll get that plug in. They get a free plug from us. And that's it. You got anything else? Nope. All right. That's it. Happy 4th of July. And we'll be back next week with hopefully, hopefully some news happens for us. Bye.